some background noise what's up dog how's it going not bad let me uh turn you up a little bit okay how do i sound otherwise i mean i'm audible to you yeah yeah nice and uh nice and crisp all right cool <laughs> yeah i moved it out to the uh garage for one thing it's obviously a nice night and i love that and i can smoke whenever i want to but um my boyfriend is also in a digital happy hour of some kind. So Jesus, still. Oh, they're unending. They're unending. I Ugh. mean, I, I and and you know what's? Maybe I should just talk about this on the actual podcast. This, yeah, this is good on air stuff. Let's not let's not burn anything because it has been a while. Yeah, it's been a fucking minute. Um, actually, the levels I think look pretty good. Can you just talk for me real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm testing uh, right now. I have to learn. I got to learn how to hook a. Uh, a microphone up for this because we're actually using we're using this to do uh to do the, the show that i work for oh uh zoom yeah so we've had um i've been going in to run the board two days a week travis takes it the other two and then um jim and sam are at their respective homes uh broadcasting remotely so we use Zoom so we can all see each other, and if we have a, a guest, they zoom in, um, and we have our uh, we have our Zoom hooked up to the board as well, um, and then uh, yeah, so like Wednesday and Thursday mornings, I literally do Jim and Sam from my basement. Nice, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's weird being because less than a year ago. I still I didn't start working for them until June third, yeah. So uh, l- less than a year ago, I was still like fucking sitting in this basement, miserable, going into ten ten wins every day. Yeah, saying, "Boy, I wish I could work for <laughs> for fucking Jim and Sam." And now, uh, now I get to do it in said basement. So yeah, there's yeah. The- that's no, that's pretty fucking trippy when you think about it. Yeah, um, it's cool. So, okay, let me I think I think they're good. I think the levels are good. I'll throw a compressor on it. There's not yeah, like a and ton I mean, of background look, yeah, you noise. Can, you can boost and do all that shit and post anywhere, right? Yeah, the only thing I ever try my best to do now is just make sure that we're at the same level. And I think we're pretty good. So if I'm, um if that ever gets thrown off and we're not, there's a um 
there's a software out there. It's open source. You can download it for free called Levelator. It works pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know serviceable enough for a podcast like this where it's just spoken word. Yeah, um, yeah. or talk as yeah. uh, non douchebags say it. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's um, well. It's you free. you were the one who said spoken word. I mean, I, yeah, I you yeah. know, I certainly wasn't. I wasn't. It bothered it, it bothered me that I said that. My, <laughs> father, my father referred to what I do as spoken word one day, and I was like, no, it's just a fucking talk show. We but in some it. way, in some ways, though, the fact that for you it would be spoken word kind of fires me up, just because of like the subject matter. Because I feel like spoken, spoken word yeah, is usually is a- like. I don't know, like analyzing fucking, you know, tea on a hot on a cold Sunday afternoon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it really is. We talk about, we, you know, we, we talk about dead pets and sucking tranny cock. Right, exactly. And it's that's spoken not typical word. spoken word. Right. But, it, you know, <laughs> to some people it is. Um, all right. So, yeah. So I moved it out here to the garage because my boyfriend is taking part in yet another um you know, online, digital, whatever the fuck you want to call it, happy hour. Incredibly homosexual activity. Right. Drinking over, yeah, I would tend to agree. Drinking over, um, you know, digital connection of some kind. And I, you know. Which is exactly what we're doing, but we're recording it for content. Exactly. Totally different. I went, thank you for understanding. I appreciate this. So I, uh, as I have been somewhat recently, on the days when I don't work out in the morning, I shower after work because I'm a lazy fuck, disgust, disgusting person. And I just, you know, tend to get busy doing bullshit. And I say, fuck it, I'll shower after work. What's what's the social pressure that's forcing me to do otherwise? So I didn't work out this morning. So I showered after work and I'm getting dressed, throwing on some mesh shorts and a T-shirt so we can do the podcast. And there's sort of like this anticipation in the air. I can tell this anticipation in the air. And my boyfriend goes, well, so uh where are you doing your podcast? And I was like, well, I mean, I have all my shit set up in the dining room. What do you mean? He's like, well, you know, I have this, I have this happy hour, you know, I have this happy. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, and you know, part of me, honestly, I I thought about moving it all out to the garage anyway, because it's, you know, it's a nice night, you know, it's, uh, I can, I can garden as I wish and all this kind of stuff. And, um, I figured I would anyway, but then I'm like, you know, this is kind of fucking annoying. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you go out to the fucking garage? You got your phone. That's all you need. It's a beautiful fucking night. You live indoors constantly now, 24-7, 365. Get out, get some fucking fresh air. Granted, yeah, it's but mixed in, in fairness, with the fumes of the garage. In fairness to, uh, to him, the backdrop that I'm looking at right now is not something that I would equate with uh, a homosexual <laughs> in, on well, a video happy You know hour. what's so funny about that? You're absolutely You'd be the laughing right. stock of the gay community. That is fucking f- hilarious, Mike, because you're onto something here. Because he always sits in this one spot and this really successful... I love this fucking fern. We have a great fern. It's one of the gayest things. We have a list, by the way. Uh, Mike suggested a segment where we said something okay i did something on facebook and mike immediately texted me and said heads up just so you know that was really fucking gay what you just did and he said because you know honestly i feel like i tend to not give off most vibes but no i I had no clue but there's little indicators and you pointed one of them out so we'll talk about that and we've got some items 
that have been included over the years and maybe kind of recently in terms of uh, gayest things that I actually do. And uh, we'll talk about that. So uh, anyway, yeah, he sits. My my boyfriend sits. So this fern is behind him and it's a great fern. I mean, if you I wanted res- to I like, respect a houseplant. Yeah. And a houseplant. So it's doing really well. But I think he knows because it seems like every single stream I'm on him with, somebody's like, wow, that is a great fern. What a great plant. Like That's really doing well. It loves it there. Oh, it just loves it. Oh, is it getting good sun? Oh, oh it loves it there. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a great plant. You know, I like the plant. But um, the extent to which I think he's digging for compliments on that is a little bit shameless. Definitely. It's de- it's de- that's exactly what he's doing. Terrible. He has, but because you have to understand, there is what I call it like social distancing culture that a lot of people are really leading into. It's the 7 p.m. clapping. It's the the posting what they're doing every day. It's the tweets, the hashtag stay inside. Mm. And a huge part of it is the um, is the video happy hour. And I feel like whoever has the sort of coziest homiest looking setup for video happy hour wins social distancing for that day yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean i feel like um i'm so inherently competitive about like things that are actually competitive that i don't tend to think along those lines you know like i sort of like that misses me like a a uv ray that i just can't see with the way my brain processes things but um you're probably right you're probably right. I think you're onto something there. And the fern, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. But again, to foreshadow, uh, I believe it's the extent to which I really get joy out of watering the plant. I think I listed that amongst one of my gayest items. Joy in watering a plant. But maybe that's I not... would almost give you a pass for that. I, there's, I, you I know, feel like can every... I be honest with you? I felt like there were some things you might give me some a pass for to an extent. Yeah. Some of them. And that might have been one of them. I might as well just fast forward to this fucking list that we're talking about here. Um, all right. So this is just, again, some of the, some of the gayest things that I've done. Uh, what happened was, and we'll get into all this other shit. All right. We've got tons to talk about with, uh, fucking coronavirus and all the stuff that's happened after waiting online at the liquor store in the fucking cold in May. Not my favorite, not my favorite thing. I mean, it was, it was the most ridiculous. There was nobody in the fucking store. Why can't I go in and buy a fucking And by the way, this May cold thing that's been going on. This is like a few years in the making now that we've had very cold starts to May, and it is fucking annoying. I remember when we were teenagers, by late March, you got a couple 70-degree days. April, you'd get, you know, you get that smattering of cold, damp, shitty, rainy days. But April was usually a very nice month, mostly in the high 60s and 70s towards the, the end of April. And May was like it was like a preview of june like it was june light right, um right. without the humidity right uh all of a sudden may fucking blows yeah, why until, is that what happened i don't, I don't know i, I know uh, a friend of mine is a geol- uh, geological engineer and he said that we're still coming out of a an ice age technically uh-huh. so they're just going to be these minor fluctuations in the weather that on a grand scale would be considered pretty minimal, but mm. to us are annoying as fuck. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, all right, so getting back to some of the gayest shit. So I Facebooked, I posted a song, and look, let me tell you, let me be honest with you here, all right? 
most American podcast ever created, Flipping Out Radio, the whole deal. I am not a big Lana Del Rey guy, okay? Um, I she got a very nice voice. She does have a nice voice, and I will fucks with some Joni Mitchell if you want to get down to brass tacks. I'll fucks with some Joni Mitchell. But Lana Del Rey, to me, her lyrics, I'm a big lyrics guy. To the, for the most part, they're kind of childish and kind of silly, and I don't dig on them most of the time. But there's this one song, and I've been painting my front porch, or I mean, we're almost done now, with uh, my boyfriend. It's one of our, like, you know, like, get something actually done things that we're trying to do here while we're on lockdown. The uh, interior? Yes, the interior. You've do you there. guys do you guys like playfully splatter each other with paint like in a, a fucking Benjamin Moore commercial? No, because as as much as I wish I could add that to some of the gayest things, as a matter of fact, you know what? That whole painting experience has, in fact, been one of the gayest things, you know, because of what <laughs> the whole reason is that uh, the, you know, tendency for gay couples to be like really bitter with each other and kind of domestic violence and like, you know, like not good, you know, like there's just a lot of history out there of like, you know, fucked up gay yeah. couples. And Does I can he say, have a couple black eyes to explain to the neighbors? No, it's just that he get doing anything with him can be a real challenge sometimes because it's not that he's incompetent or unable to do different things. He's but the he makes, chick in your relationship. Yeah, he makes it out to be such a big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Like until we yeah. finally get rolling with it. And then like I was like, look, all you got to do is we got to spend a lot of time taping and fucking edging. And then it takes no time. You know what I mean? Like and finally then when we're getting through even just the the broad brush strokes and then forget the rolling out he was like this is fun i was like yeah i fucking told you that the taping is what sucks you know why can't you just chill for a minute and not make it out to be like everything's a huge deal very frustrating very sassy yeah you know i'm telling you the lockdown's been a bit of a challenge and 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 chris and i are getting along of course but it's just like it's a lot so anyway we're listening to lana del rey while we paint and um I noted that I like this one song and I thought about it. I listened to it again later the next day when I was working and not painting and I decided I liked the song. So I posted it on Facebook, but I also noted that the lyrics were very appropriate for the times. And, you know, look, there was a guy, uh, this guy, Joseph Rodriguez, who's like a huge arty super fan who follows me on Facebook because of that connection. He immediately called out how gay it was. Um, Good. You know, you texted me. And said, Mike, I'm talking to now. You texted me and said, you know, that's very gay. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that there was more than one of us. Yeah. So that's where this segment came from. <laughs> and uh, my buddy, uh, my one buddy from out on Long Island, he pointed out when I when I did come out, he said, now it makes sense because you always loved coconut coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, and you know that was his thing. He was like, I should have known. The coconut fucking coffee. That's what that's, that's what he see. Is. That's such a fucking like, oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, you drinking coconut coffee. You fucking get like <laughs> co coconut coffee. Probably not gay. Like that's such a a a straight guy who's just a little insecure in himself trying to be like uh, yeah, uh thing. I don't understand. Uh, yeah. Gay. Yeah. Uh, well, he yeah. says to point out, he said to point out, cause I brought this up to him. I said, I'm going to add that to the segment that you put, that you said that. And of course he's mostly joking when he says it, but for the, so he said, well, he says, I would actually point this out. He said, uh, tell them about the time that you left. So we had a frat party at our house, junior year. We, I lived there junior and senior year. So did he, we had a house on this one street at the university of Delaware, Newark, uh, Delaware, uh, West, 
uh, Cleveland or East Cleveland Avenue. Um, long Main Avenue, a lot of house parties and stuff like that. We had a frat party there one year and I had to work that next day. So it was like 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that. I woke up, I was hung over as shit. And I didn't want to deal with the fact that there was already like a significant party sort of going on in the house. So I actually, I lived on the first floor. I bounced out the window to go to work. So he to this day says, oh, that's a sign because all these hot chicks were there, all these drunk frat chicks. You didn't even want to walk through or talk to them. I was like, no, I mean, to be honest with you, I still to this day maintain that has nothing to do with it. Fucking I wasn't getting laid by any sex, gender, you know, identity, whatever. yeah, yeah I was going. To, I was going to like, fucking shitty ass work. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's more. Just and I, I climbed I don't out want the window. To be bothered right now. Yeah, that was more. That was more what that was all about. I understand that. That's but I do true. have a very embarrassing one to admit. And this, I have to say, this is like one of the hardest things for me. This is like harder you than fuck coming other out. dudes. <laughs> it's harder than even like coming out. Honestly, I will often text to my boyfriend, and this is non-ironically. The word yay when I'm excited about something like a movie or a TV show or like something we forgot that we weren't going to we have to watch or something like that. Yeah, I'm embarrassed. Again, my honesty, my face is red. I'm not even kidding. That is that is incredibly homosexual. Like when I think of two gay men texting each other about like a new episode of This Is Us or some other bullshit. That's exactly how I I think of the text going So in that particular respect, I couldn't be any more stereotypical. So that, I mean, I think in some ways that's got to be somewhat reassuring for people, right? Because, I mean, they expect things to be a certain way. You do. Well, you know what it is? It's like um, as, uh, you know, early on, Italians and Irish and all these different cultures, they move to America and they retain a lot of what's going on about them. Um, But as... As things go by, they become assimilated and they retain certain cultural aspects while gravitating towards the rest that are more just mainstream American. Uh, you seem to have done the same thing with uh, homosexuality. So the sucking cock is like your feast of the seven fishes. You still do it. It's Christmas <laughs> Eve. We're having fish, no meat. Um well, I don't know if that actually works for sucking cock. Right, but, yeah, um, the fish would have to be some other, you know, that would be a special occasion of a different kind. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you mostly do regular hetero guy stuff, except for the part that involves men's anuses. Right, right, and that's that's just all there is to it. You're, you're an assimilated homosexual. I'm an assimilated, that's what it is, that's what it is. Um, All right. So, look, we've got a lot to get into here. We've got uh, life after the virus continuing all that. We've got the fact that Mike and I's original broadcasting home, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, is no longer in the state of New Jersey. It's over. It's done. Yeah. Is that just a New Jersey branch or is that the whole school? Uh, I believe they're keeping things going up in Connecticut. They have a couple schools up there. Who knows if maybe they're just going to have one campus or if they're going to close down and become something different, like a virtual business or something. Who knows? But um, they uh, they do not have the campus in New Jersey anymore. At least that I know. They closed that. Uh, what about Cherry Hill? There was one as well. Yeah, I have to assume that that's done too. I mean, I you know I wouldn't even have been surprised if they had already closed that one a while ago. I mean, yeah. you know, this is not like this is not uh, a situation where, and I'm sure for a lot of businesses that had already closed, that was already that was the same thing. It's not like this was the absolute 
you know, judge and jury for CSB. This was, if anything, just that finishing blow, that hammer. Oh, yeah. This was a a straw that was a long time coming. Yeah, they I mean, you you know, I mean, they they were on their last legs, really, in terms of when we started there and they had just built that new studio, that new school. Um, granted, it was the same, you know, city that their previous location was in, but it was just up Route 17 a little bit. They, um, you know, they were already behind a little bit in terms of the TV and the computers were nice and the audio stuff was all good. But, you know, that was sort of the wrong side to be super invested in anyway, in terms of educating people and focusing on, because, you know, if anything, they should have been like, maybe we can fill that need for all the tv switch work that needs to be done around here the camera work that needs to be done like all that kind of stuff and then have radio as sort of a side thing uh that was really more of a radio school than anything uh with almost like a, yeah, here's here, you, it, could, you could play uh you could play tv by the way at the same time you know what i mean like they didn't have um you know what you really needed in terms of like getting educated on the technology that was being used in the tv studio even at that time other than like yeah. Final Cut, obviously, which was an editing and, software. And frankly, I think that um, they would have been. We went at kind of a weird time because when we went, podcasting existed, but it was still really not very accessible. Like YouTube wasn't what it is. Uh, Facebook, like none of the social media platforms were what they were. Right. So it was like, it was the last sort of few years where you could still get a job, like you could still get in on the ground floor in radio. Um, now, if you want to get started in radio, the correct answer is just start your own fucking podcast and either be a podcaster, which is the new radio or come to like satellite or, you know, whatever the fuck is left of this just dwindling industry. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like, and this is just more based on what I saw on like social media and through conversations with, uh, with Firestein and such was that they were really they they seemed very committed to the old model uh, of, yeah, you're going to go out, you're going to find yourself a, a job at a, a small AM, FM, whatever in, in the Midwest and then work your way back to New York. Uh, you know, that, that sort of Howard Stern bullshit that worked like 30 years. I think I even saw Marlo post once on Facebook. Like uh, it was right after Howard had uh, taken a big shit on uh, Ari Shafir because uh, Ari was talking about how who the fuck needs radio anymore? We can just start a podcast. And Howard said, like, no, the right way to do it. No one knows who this Ari Shafir is, which is hilarious because everyone knows who Ari is. Hmm. Um, the right way to do it is to go to a small market and work your way up. And it was a, it was about like a year or two into when I had done my podcast. I was finally starting to get some traction on it. And I saw Marlo post something like, I agree with Howard. Like, that's the way you get a job in radio. And I was thinking like, no, the, the fuck it's not. I was like, I was like, that model is so dead. It's not even funny. Like, yeah. what kind of fucking asshole is going to move to Des Moines to uh, to take a fucking a job at like a shit uh, midwestern top forty station when you could stay in New York and and just make your own show on the internet and interview interesting people around you know the biggest fucking city in the world and you can do all this stuff via video and stuff. It just that asinine model and i was told it by people at uh, at winds where i used to work was like 
Well, maybe you need to leave the market for a little while and go. You go somewhere smaller and work your your way up. And I was like, this is fucking retarded. Um, just what about just be where you are, be good at your job, or be good at making your content, your product, and then get it on the radar of people who make some fucking decisions. And I really think that that it. I mean, now it's it's come obvious that that's the way to go. But it's- you really think so, though? I mean, look, here's the here's the counter argument, right? Because I find myself sometimes thinking about that. Not sometimes I find myself thinking about this thing all the time. This is what you're talking about right now is sort of exactly where I find myself at sort of the precipice of indecision and uncertainty at age 35 not knowing where I'm supposed to go next, not knowing what it is that I'm really even technically pursuing because of what you're saying exactly. So let's let's play it out for the sake of argument. If you really were to fully invest yourself and totally push into your podcast and your own show and your branding and the social media and all that goes with it, you also have to be a salesman in the sense that you have to figure out a way to get ad revenue, your own whether it's live reads or, you know, uh, a sponsorship with some kind of company somehow or a, or an, a banner ad or whatever it may be. You still got to sell sure. yourself somehow. And sure. not everybody can do that. Not everybody necessarily is trying to do that either. You know what I mean? Like that's a different career path to, than to being extent, a content but, producer. To an extent, but um, also no, because there are enough sites, you know, the Barstool Sports of, of the world um, and even places like, you know, ESPN and, and whoever else that if you put together a good, compelling, well-produced web show, if you're like, look, I don't, I, I personally know fucking fuck all about selling myself. I can literally, I, I'm good at putting together entertaining content. And I have what I would say are very, very middling tech skills, like enough to get myself by. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, I mean, if you put together something good, like I just uh, I upgraded my camera setup. I got a new thing. I got a new lighting rig uh, coming in the mail. Um, so I'm turning this into a uh, what you see behind me into a, a, a much more proper um, studio. Um, but like, yeah, you don't have to. So if you don't know how to sell and market and build a huge audience, you can still uh, make all of this content and you hold on to it and you put together your your reels and your best ofs and then you say okay who are the people that are doing this this is the great thing about digital that everyone's talking about now oh we can just work from home you can do this from here that you know whatever um like i i know guys who are uh, that i went to college with in communications classes who are running blog sites from fucking thailand um because you can do that shit remotely um you you know you know you don't even have to court advertisers you just have to create good enough content that you can send to someone who does own a platform um I, barstool is a good example because it's just big and everyone knows them but obviously there are you know a bunch of those out there for whatever it is you're interested in and then you you get on their platform and you let them do the work they're the marketer they have a team that that does that uh, Probably the same amount of, I would think, you know, blood, sweat and tears are kind of go with it, except you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have to uproot yourself from, you know, North Jersey or whatever and go live in flyover country for 15 years because that's where you cut your teeth. Um, No, you can go. 
you can run your show out of your garage in uh, Bloomfield. If you want to do a baseball show, you can just go to the, the city field parking lot and talk to fans and you can shoot video that is just as high def as anything the TV stations are doing. You put together uh, content that's just as good anything that anyone in radio is doing. You can blog and put it out on, on Twitter, whatever. I think it's it's so much better for uh, for the creators now um, than it was. I, that's what I, I love about the Internet is that it's basically taking these douchebags who run fucking radio stations and whacking them in the nuts. Um, yeah, and- no, you're not wrong about that. Hold, hold on one second. I'm going to take a little picture here so I can have something to share on Twitter. Sure thing. And um, yeah, no, you're absolutely not wrong about that. And there's part of me that says, of course, you don't go to the small market anymore. Everything that Mike just said and everything that is is tied into the change in technology and, you know, the the opportunities that are in the digital stratosphere and the low barriers to entry from a content producing perspective and all the stuff that you're talking about. Of course, I agree with that. But there's another part of me that says there's there's two things, really. One of them says, is that just excuses? Is that me realizing I've tried to get those jobs? in other markets and struck out doing so is that me um, being, you know, afraid of the unknown to a certain extent, even though of course any job could just be lost like that, especially in an industry as volatile as uh, radio period or whatever kind of uh, content platform it was really. So I, I feel that on the one side, the other side of me is, uh, you know, am I really so opposed to leaving North Jersey? I mean, of course, I grew up here and I love it to some extent because it's my home and my family's here. I'd be opposed to yeah, I'd be opposed to it. See, that's interesting to me. I, 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 I've, I, do, I've done it. So I could. Yeah. Um, so the first couple statements, I can I can go through those sort of one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been this has been a fucking odyssey for me, by the way, because I mean, you were like we said, we met at CSB in uh, 2011. Yeah, we should mention that background. I mean, we both met at that fucking broadcast school that we're talking about. Yeah, and, um, uh, did so, internet talk radio way back, way before anybody mostly was doing that shit. Yeah, so I'm I was interning uh, 2012, 2013 at you know KTU, just great the great people there. I had a lot of fun with the internship. They taught me a lot about you know just how to speak on the the radio, and which is which is a skill that you really you do have to learn to a degree, um, but coming out of there like i had my demos and stuff and they were like look these are really good you're probably gonna get some uh some job offers from smaller stations you know within the the next year or so if you keep hacking away and what i found was stations smaller stations outside of new york had no desire to hire me because it was you know we don't need someone coming out coming to wherever for you know we're not gonna be able to pay you enough to to justify that that kind of move. I get that. That makes sense. Uh, obviously, for the New York market. To, to an extent, limited. though. But, I mean, if you wanted to do that, if you were trying to start your career that way, you so, would take it because of the experience. You could, but it would have been a dumbass thing to do anyway. Um, because here's the thing. One, most of the radio out there isn't very good to begin with. Um, most radio isn't very good to begin with. Um, and then those jobs are they're disappearing because of national syndication, because no one wanted to listen to the people who were doing those shows because they weren't very good to begin with. 
Uh, companies don't want to spend money. They'd rather pay one guy to do a show that they can play in a bunch of markets versus hiring, you know, what what's required to, to handle, you know, the, the, the sort of erosion of the industry took away that as a viable starting point. Then when you look at the fact that you can make your own content without any kind of boss to answer to, no program director say, uh, you know, we should air check this and uh, what well, we sit in my office and uh, let's talk about that last break. It's like, fuck off. Um, you can you can do all of these things. That's a great, by the way, I'm going to remind myself. I, I don't want to interrupt you. I apologize. And and I totally agree with, uh, you know, 90% of, of what you're saying. I, the, the remaining 10% is just my own uncertainty. But um, I would love to do a segment where... I played the role of the program director <laughs> with you, air checking you on flipping out radio. But that you, would be fun. But you had free reign to respond. But I would just like act as though like there was yeah. nothing I could do about it. I'd just be well, oh, okay, um, you know, I understand. You know, like like a like complete that. radio square. Yeah, yeah, total fucking nerd. Total, the, the, you know. Matter of fact, maybe we should do that right now. Okay, let's just do a quick little. Let's just do a quick. What's the guy's name going to be? Um, uh, let me see. Met. What would that be? Seth. Okay. Is there? I think the, a better way to do this would be to maybe grab a chunk afterwards and post. And I, I, I like where you're going, but I think the way to do it is to have something because otherwise you're going to have to come up. Well, no, I have an idea of, of what I would do. I have an idea of what I would uh, say as uh... I, I think we should actually do it as a piece of content. You grab a clip from the show and then we listen to it as though you were air checking and you could stop Anytime I make a reference to like, okay, you know, a, that's a ring fine. But, do, but, do, but I still would like dick. to know. I would just like to know what his name is for a second because I just have one thing that I would do. Uh, so I'm gonna make it. Let's see. Seth. Seth Simmons. I'll just make it Seth Simmons. That's Seth. You know that's funny that the. Uh, the guy who uh, targeted Shane Gillis's career is named, I think it's Seth Simon. Nice. But yeah, Seth, Seth Simmons is, that That really does reek of like douche FM yeah. program yeah. director. So, so I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be Seth Simmons for just a quick moment. Hey, hey, Mike, uh, Seth Simmons here. Um, you know, just didn't really like all the references to the homosexuality. Um, you know, mentioning James is like, you know, certain things are gay or, you know, that's uh, not, not a good thing. You know what I mean? Like really shouldn't be done. Uh, well, just... well, well, he's gay and, and he does them. Yeah, but, you know, a little insensitive, a little insensitive to keep going back to it, to keep mentioning it. No, I think it's a little, uh, a little insensitive, a little insensitive to keep going back to it. Well, I don't find anything offensive about James's homosexuality. Perhaps you do. Is that something that maybe no, you could no, with no, him? no, no. Let's let's just uh, we'll work on it. All right, we'll work on it. Anyway, frankly, that's... Seth, I'm beginning to feel that this work environment <laughs> is a little hostile to my homosexual friend, and as a gay ally, I'm not sure I can stand for it. Is this something that I should take up with human resources, <laughs> or will we not have to have this conversation again? Oh, it seems, Seth, that he must have disconnected. He must have disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we'll we'll do some work on the Seth Simmons. That's a good uh, that's a good little thing we could have some fun with. But uh, yeah, so CSB, man, 
hard to believe in a way that um, just 10 years later, I mean, if you told me it was going out of business, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, I would not have been stunned. I, I figured maybe they would figure out a way to focus on almost like the new age final cut aspect of things and maybe audio editing and, you know, kind of putting people in a position that would do some things from a voiceover perspective or, you know, whatever it may be. But they, um, I mean, they should have adapted to the changing marketplace, which is it's podcast. Look, podcasts need producers. Podcasts need video guys. Websites like Barstool Sports need video guys. Like there is, there is still value in what you can get out of a place like CSB. But if you think you're going to get people to pay ten grand to learn how to run, to kind of learn how to run a fucking TV control room, you're fucking butt fucking me. Like yeah. it's just not. No one's going to do that. They were they were just so so out of it. If they, if they had had shifted tax and become this is the school where you can learn how to become you know a YouTube influencer or whatever like and brought in people with like you know great social media followings to show people how to do stuff like that um, you know shift to what broadcasting has has become. No, you're right. And you know what's so funny is that when I was actually in class there, I had one of the more um, influential and sort of uh, enlightening speeches ever given to me uh, from Dick Robinson Sr., the old man who had come down to the school one night and addressed us as a class. And it's so interesting that he's the one who pointed this out, the guy who I, you know had been in the industry for so long and who in some ways maybe could have been or should have been at the helm of decision making that should have been able to see based off what he was saying, where things were going and how they needed to adjust. But he talked about how microcasting was the future. He said, it's not about broadcasting anymore. Uh, it's about reaching out and, and meeting, you know, meeting these individual content types. You know what I mean? I mean, it's that's, the, that's it's, exactly what podcasting is. Exactly. And that's what's so interesting that, you know, they seemingly weren't able to sort of keep that the focus or make it the focus when yeah. they're, uh, you know, how old patriarch. Uh, geez, at that time, he must have been in his his 70s, if not 80s, you know? Yeah, so he probably, he probably comes around, gives like motivational chats, and then they just probably, you know, the same way you treat any old guy. But it's a anywhere. shame because I, I, I think his family was in in control, so it's a shame that they may, maybe they didn't listen to him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But it's interesting because we certainly have a lot of uh, history there at uh, CSB, and... It's pretty, uh, you know, it's crazy for me because, again, I have a lot of good memories. I have memories more of, you know, some stuff in class, for sure, somewhat to go into school there, but mostly all the stuff after the MTR radio, uh, doing shows there, you know, being in charge of that whole, you know, programming block, basically, and trying to get that off. Um, all that shit was oh, crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun, too. And... Uh, yeah, I may I make I make fun of the place a lot because it is a very silly place. But I mean, I got to I got to go there for free because of the GI Bill. Actually, I got paid to go there because of the GI Bill. Yeah. Um, and it was at a time when I had I knew I wanted to do radio something, but I had zero clue as to how to approach the industry. And even having a father who is you know prominent 
in the industry, I was still fucking lost because, you know, the, the advice that you're getting from, he doesn't remember what the fuck it was like when he was starting. His, his advice was you should show up at radio stations and tell them you want a job. And I was like, I don't think that works. Nice. It's not 1973 anymore. Nice. Um, so I was for the biggest thing that that place did, did for me was it put me around a lot of people who were involved in radio, both my age and like 10 years older than me. Right. So they could really kind of shine a light on what that path looked like. And it gave me regular access to gear, you know, Adobe Audition, good microphones, all of that, so that I could just, I didn't have to fucking worry about like, how am I going to afford this and get that? It was just, you, you put your name on the list and for two hours a day you have you can use all of this shit so there were yeah there were definitely very good things that uh, came out of it i think um it it tends to attract it, it, it attracts two types of people uh self-starters who are going to take advantage of all of the shit and that's going to launch their career and it, it attracts people who have no fucking clue what to do they see the commercial on late night cable and they say oh yeah this will work and then it just fizzles and peters out yeah. and they, they do nothing. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I thought that way back then. Experience the most American podcast ever created. I will eat your ass. I will eat your ass. Incredibly, incredibly gay. You need a graphing calculator to get to the number of gay that, that I think that is. I've worked on my food intake so that I poop less. I hate flipping out radio. Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Rumpus time is over. Disappointed! As uh, Howie would, uh, Howie Rose would say, puts this, puts this one in the book. I remember talking to people after graduation, as it were. I went to class, night class, over the summer in 2010. It was uh, right around the time when LeBron James... LeBron James had his decision on one of the nights that we had class. I remember, like, uh, like it was the fucking 1960s and it was like an Apollo launch. We were all, like, sitting there in the fucking, you know, front room looking up at the TV, like, what's going to happen, you know? And then uh, he said he was taking his talents to South Beach. Um, that experience was its own thing. But I mean, this podcast started for me in CSB's so-called talk studio. 
I was struggling with the notion of how uh, it, it's, it's really almost creepy in a way. The extent to which your description of everything matches with my experience, with my thoughts on things, with the path I've tried to follow and sort of navigate in terms of do I try to change markets? Do I try to <clears throat> do this type of thing? Is it wrong to be focusing more on your own content platforms and, and trying to figure that out? Where do you go? Is it is it getting paid or is it being an entrepreneur? Whatever. Um, that all being said, when it comes to CSB, for me, it's all about that podcast. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know how to try to practice being a talk show host or uh, get into the, the right mindset or, or pace or, you know, how to talk on a mic and all that kind of stuff. And I, I certainly didn't when I started back then. But in October of 2010, I, with my cousin, sat in there in that talk studio. He was like, I'll go with you. I'll do it. He was like, I'm just going to use a fake name. And uh, hence, Johnny Appleseed was born. And <laughs> I did my show with him. <clears throat> and then Lauren Crocker was around. And Lauren Crocker was like, oh, I, I'll sit in with you guys sometime. I was like, all right, we, we're just fucking around. We're not really doing anything. You know what I mean? I'm just talking. And she's like, no problem. So she came in and we started doing our show. And then uh, John Peterson, JP Furious, he joined the cast. Uh, Lady E at some point was kind of in there, sort of, and it was somewhat of a four-man or five-person five booth. And um, it was chaos. It was sort of like my own wannabe um, uh, Elvis Duran with a, with a more, you know, and ironic in a way with the, with the gay uh, connection. I was gonna. That. I was gonna say, yeah. Microphones aren't the only thing you and Elvis uh, like like to have in your face. Nice, very nice, very nice. And um, did did I did I, I that I you still got that in? I didn't ruin that for you. I left that there for you. No, yeah. I I uh, I, I kind of ate my dick on the delivery. <laughs> um, but no, look. I I just think back to starting that show back then, and back then I called it Garden State Radio. And it was Garden State Radio up through when I started on Radio Misfits. And then Ed, Ed Silla of Radio Misfits was like, you got to change the name. I was like, why? And he was like, it's just way too. He's like, people are going to think it's like a New Jersey show or whatever. And I said, all right. I said, I guess I'll change it to Flipping Out Radio. And he's like, that's fine. That's great. And I said, all right. Um, and it's been that ever since. But I mean, that show back when I did it with Lauren Crocker and my cousin, that was the height of my feeling like I was feeling really good about sort of like filling, even though it wasn't on streaming radio, you know what I mean? Even though it wasn't really live, it was on internet radio and barely anybody listened to it. Um, that felt like it was fucking on air, you know, crackling over the airwaves live for me because I was just starting there were people who would reach out on Facebook and be like, I'm listening, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And it was produced. I had like the ability to play my sound in real time. I loaded my bumpers in and all that kind of stuff. And um, it was great. It was it was a blast. It, it, there's no denying that if not for that, I would have never sort of reignited that passion for kind of wanting to get into the business, which is really what I had when I first went into CSB in the first place. And then kind of, you know, you go through the class and all this kind of stuff. Then you're trying to find an internship and figure that all out. Still not knowing what you're doing. That was when it was like, all right, 
this is really, this is what I want to do. I don't quite know what to put my finger on with this and what it is because it's on the internet. Is it a podcast? Is it this? Is it whatever? But I love this shit. You know what I mean? That's when I was hooked, so to speak, into like really being just kind of like into the talk stuff. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it's, it's so weird looking back on those early days where we were like first starting to do that shit. And I think you kind of sell yourself short, man. I mean, you are, you're working on the air in New York radio, which is roughly puts you in like the top 1% of, of radio broadcasters. Um, you know, the, the idea that I'd be like working on the show, like the, the one I am now because of something that I started with, you know, free studio time or at, at home with a, a $12 fucking USB microphone. Uh, it's, I think that the, the pace of success in this particular industry is a lot slower than it is in other, cause you work in marketing, you know, it doesn't take long to, to move up the, the ranks and hit a management position and make a shitload of money and feel very important. That's the but you're key. just really a fucking cog in a big ass machine, right? Like we've kind of chosen something that the, um, the trade-off is it's much, it's much more arduous and difficult and it's a slog to, to get anywhere in your career. But, uh, I think that some of the, the intangibles that come with it are, a lot better just the jab the, the job satisfaction that that comes with it uh it's not just a paycheck chase and uh and then of course the the other piece of it is that if you do they say that adam carolla always talks about this he's he's like when it comes to shit like radio and entertainment and tv the the successful ones are really just the ones who kept showing up hmm. like just don't wash yourself out Keep attacking the do the G. I mean, you know, you can't show up and be a fucking lazy slob. You have to show up and put out, but just keep showing up and eventually you stick around and, and you break through. And that's when you you get paid considerably better. Um, I know, I, you know, like my father is obviously very well for himself now. His first few his first years in, in radio for a long time um, was not. Uh, not rolling in cash, as they say. Yeah. No, I mean, look, you're absolutely right. I think that the the whole thing, you make a good point because there are no real, there are some, but they're very few and far between. And they're kind of quasi radio. They're, they're sort of mostly executive. There's very few mid-management jobs in radio. It's not like other professions where there's sort of like a natural resting place for you in your like thirties and forties, even to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's about making those big jumps and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones who did keep showing up and got lucky a lot of different times. And I'm not even downplaying anything or, or making light of shit because think about it. The job that I got with Artie and Nick DiPaolo, I found that on fucking Craigslist randomly at a shift, working a shift for NFL radio on a Saturday, applying on a work computer there to a fucking job on Craigslist for an overnight board op job that I knew nothing about. That is the fucking story of looking for a job in radio. I mean, that is what I did. I mean, I I remember being at 1010 Wins at my fucking 
my computer and in between writing the drivel that I would put on the fucking website there, I would be I'd be scanning just the the most ridiculous Craigslist posts <laughs> looking for anything that would put me behind a microphone right. and sending shit out and just just disappointment and frustration. And I would listen to these shows that I, I loved. And I would listen to the radio. I'd be like, it felt like I was being left out of a fucking club that I knew that I was qualified to be in. I was like, I can do all this shit. Like I've done the internships. I do the work on my, like, I was like, I just, you just have to find a way to fucking break through. And I don't, I mean, it's, it's only luck in the matter of, Oh, you finally found that thing. Like if you hadn't found that and you had kept hacking away, you would have found something else eventually, probably, because it's just consistency uh, over time. I mean, I, the job I have now, I, I was a daily listener to the show and I was hanging out down in fucking Pompano Beach after, uh, after spring training. I extended my vacation for a few days. I was listening to the show out by the pool. They had a producer quit. Uh, pretty much on air he announced he was uh, leaving in a couple weeks and i fucking you know a couple days later i had a uh, a full package of, of shit that i was bombarding the the staff with um now you could call that luck because i heard him say he was leaving i attribute it more to you know consistency over time i put right. together a product that i was very confident in found an opening that i really liked and took the product that I knew could uh, apply to that opening, got it in front of the the right people. Thanks to this glorious internet of ours. And, uh, and you know, here we are now. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because I think if anything, what I'm saying is it, it depends on your perspective in terms of whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's gives a lot of uh, background and a lot of meaning to what your dad said, which is like, you know, just keep showing up because there's so many people who, they're not going to put that kind of grind in. They're not going to put in that kind of continuous willingness to deal with disappointment to a certain extent. You know what well, I mean? It's, it's like, very uncomfortable. I mean, it sucks. I mean, I cannot, I mean, and I'm sure you felt this exact feeling before, like where you're, you're driving into whatever that, that weekend board op shift mm -hmm. or that weekend, terrible, whatever that you're doing that gets it's just bitch work or the one no at, the terrible board op shift at like five o'clock in the morning or whatever you know what i yeah, mean like it's fuck. useless and it's you know you're you're going out with your friends when you do have the the odd weekend off and you know they're getting raises and they're getting nice apartments and this shit and they're moving up in in their their corporate jobs and shit looks fucking great you know they're talking about taking chicks out to like wine bars on fucking <laughs> dates and stuff and you're but you're really like you feel like you're missing out on this huge aspect of i call you know call it 20 something life and i mean, I still manage like party and shit down the shore when i was doing that thanks to cocaine um nice. but it really is it can be so disheartening because you're like and i you know you i hear this a lot from like because i work uh with my job i work with a lot of comedians and uh, come across a lot of musicians and actors and stuff. They go through the same thing. It really is until you break through, there is nothing but fucking just pure despair at every step of the way. Because you're like, I'm doing this. I'm wasting years of my life speaking into a microphone in my bedroom to nobody. 
maybe like a dozen, a couple dozen if, I, if I'm lucky. Right. Why the fuck am I doing this? And then it, when it finally happens, it's like, it really, like, it's like this massive, insane load is just lifted off of you and it validates all of these just hours of, of misery and self-doubt that you've poured into uh, what you view as a dream career. Like, it's it's a real mindfuck. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And I mean, like, for me, I've had so many weird experiences, like, you know, uh, even the fantasy phenom thing. You know what I mean? The WFAN fantasy phenom. To be a finalist for that and then feel like I didn't really do as well as I could have and to lose that was like damn, I missed my chance then. You know what I mean? Like, I could have been just a, a fill-in, you know, weekend guy that then eventually this, that, the other, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. And it's crazy the extent to which you're right. It's just about kind of putting all that out of your mind. And and you're going to... You won't laugh because you're a guy that understands this kind of stuff. But I'll put this out there and be very real about it. My entire life... And I just saw some fucked up news before we started recording the podcast, by the way, that apparently uh, Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker. Was I was going to. Yeah, I was going to actually uh, I was going to mention that I just absolutely disgusting and typical of the New York Giants. Yeah, and right, um, right, yeah. really reinforces yourself. how proud I am to yeah, be a fan you. of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, right. Yeah. Speaking of cocaine. Um, no, but seriously, it's fucked up. I mean, uh, you're right. It's bad. It's terrible. And um you know, this is a guy who they're counting on a lot, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, leave alone the fact that it's fucked up to be involved in any sort of alleged crime, if you are, but whatever. Um, this is uh, a, a situation where I'm, I'm checking my phone for a second, and I'm getting all this feeling of sports disappointment. And I'm like, what the, f-? you know, fuck this. They're not even fucking playing sports right now. And I'm feeling, like, fucking pissed because of, uh, you know, fucking DeAndre Baker held somebody up or whatever. Why the fuck are you holding people up? I mean, how much money did you make? You know? And it's just, oh, it's just awful. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of sports disappointment in my life. And a lot of it is, that's it. You know how to deal with shit because you deal with it in other ways. Like the fact that the, I'm a Mets fan, die, you know, diehard Mets fan. I mean, how, what more disappointment could you deal with? Um, my football team in high school was fucking ass. You know what I mean? We were terrible. I, we won one game my senior year. So, Jesus. you know, you, you, you practice through that. That's, that's how many we lost my senior year. So there you go. You know what I mean? Like I was playing, uh, I think we started like three true, uh, true, it's high school, but we started three freshmen that year and, and like on both sides of the ball. Like I was looking around like, my God, I'm playing out here with children. You know what I mean? Like this is brutal. Like we're not good. You know what I mean? Like we're just going to get our ass kicked today. And you go and you play through that. You practice through that. You try your hardest through a situation like that that's so hopeless, but you play for pride almost. You deal with the fact that it's disappointing. You know what I mean? You deal with the fact that it sucks. Because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? And um, that that takes a little bit of something. You know what I mean? It's like, and I think it might be a few screws loose. I, I mean, for all I know, you know what I mean? It's screws loose to basically be fine with that. But Oh, um, of course. You, I mean, again, it's, like it's the the only the word I can best describe it. Anxiety might might be a good one, but for I think just discomfort. I mean, there is you just don't you never when you're going through that period, you never you never have a chance to feel 
at ease in what you're doing because where you want to be seems so fucking far away. It it's not even funny. You're like, I'm recording this in my like I'm doing a show in what my bedroom at my parents' house, and you're like, this is people. You like the thought that went, would go through my head when I would do shit like that, and even when I was uh, like podcasting out of my own and stuff until it really started to pick up steam and people would message me and be like, Hey, I love what you're up to. Like until I finally got confident enough in my own product to be like, Oh, there is an end game here with this. I'm just going to have to keep at it for a while. Once I got to that point, the discomfort went away, but there really is an element of like, if I told, like, if I went on a date with a chick and told, and she was like, so like, what do you do with your career? And I was like, well, right now I write articles for, for a website for very average pay, but I want to risk that for, for less pay because I like to talk into a microphone in my room. Like, like, you would almost feel like an ass thinking, <laughs> let alone even saying it out loud. Right. Like, it sounds preposterous. And then you do it for a while and you get good at it and you're like, oh, no. No, no, I actually can. I can make an income off of this yeah what who would you say is your favorite comedian like somebody that you haven't met before someone you don't know at all like someone a, i don't because i mean i this is it's weird saying you you know your boss is your favorite but i mean i my personal opinion is that jim may have the greatest comedic mind on the fucking planet yeah, so that's okay so then not him then someone else that you love but um, don't know in any joey sort of... diaz is way up there okay that's actually a good one because he's got a very successful podcast right and he's a perfect example of the you keep he's actually up. a great he's a great example okay so because i just wanted to ask you know if go ahead say what you were going to say you keep showing up well he's i mean he did prison time for a kidnapping he was like addicted to multiple drugs suicidal all of this and then he decided he discovered stand-up and he got up as an open micer. I think he, I don't think he got into stand up until he was like in his 30s or 40s or some shit like that. And only over the last like 20 years um, has has built a career out of it. So like he is the guy that you can look at and be like, oh, no, you can do that. Doesn't you don't have to. Your career doesn't have to take off right out of college. Yeah. Like this is not that job. No, like, he's a great. He's a great example of, so what would you do? Ha, to what extent would you just be like over the moon? I guess you could use any sort of rating system that you want to, because I don't want to put a cap on it. If Joey Diaz came in to, to guest or whatever on, on the Jim and Sam show, and he hit you with like a perfectly timed, great sack tap, and he said, How's that for a savage sack tap? And then he started bursting out laughing. To what extent would you be just like made? By the way, that's the name of Mike's uh, podcast. Um, I, it would probably be very hilarious. I think once my nuts recovered, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> so you wouldn't be in the moment? Like, it's just a natural thing, right? Like, you'd be pissed. No, I would be, I would be keeled over on the floor, probably nauseous. <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have, to, have to crawl over to the little couch that we keep in the corner and and then once I got my breath back, I would have a chance to to really laugh and appreciate the moment. Yeah, and then I guess you'd have to ask him. So you've listened, you know, you know the show. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah, that's, and look, that's, that's the goal. Like, I don't even look at that, like, like, I don't fucking, you know, I, I, my policy is I don't get fucking wide-eyed or fucking, you know, star fuck anybody. You know, I, I look at everyone out there as, hey, that's someone I could probably interview one day. Like, I just approach it with that. I approach it with the, okay, like, clearly now that I've been hired, like, hired to do this job, the work I do resonates, uh, and I, I have the demonstrable skill set with it. Like as you know, same for you or anyone else who's actively working in, in the industry. So my feeling is simply that you know, working with any anyone like that is simply a um, a function of continuing to show up, refine your product, and put yourself into. Uh, into a position to do it yeah well apparently that goes both ways by the way because uh when i was trying desperately to just get enough sound to put my little report together uh two three martin luther king days ago whatever it was i was on a harlem street corner and this woman alexandria ocasio cortez says i'm running for office and i was like that's fucking great tuts can i ask you about martin luther king and uh you know then three months later i'm like holy shit she's a fucking huge deal like i you know because she unexpectedly won that but i remember thinking to myself like well i'll never see you again like and it's you know fucked up that i thought that but um you know that was uh martin luther king day i guess it would have been 2018 AOC is another great example of someone who showed up, put in the work, and now she's in the fucking house. I mean, she literally just grassroots it in what she saw as uh, a sort of uh, the the incumbent in that district wasn't even going out and campaigning. He felt he had a, a safe seat, and she was just like, "All right, fuck you, cocksucker!" Like I'm going to come out. Like I don't have to agree with her. Pol- I don't have to agree with her policies to admire the way she went out and and got her uh, oh yeah seat. yeah because all those congress fuckers are all the same you know they take shit for granted yeah she, just aggressive and tenacious and she said i am the the way to do things is to show up mm-hmm. like you really it really is show up yeah so um i don't want to go too crazy long in doing this episode because um maybe we can even you know take advantage of our uh, digital ability to reconnect and maybe just do some more stuff in a f- couple days or something since the weekend's coming up. I don't know what you got going on, but um, I did want to talk about the baseball situation. Now, before I go totally off and on my soapbox and everything, do you have any thoughts on sort of the ongoing, like, you know, union pay situation aspect of all this, I guess? I, I do not... You know, as a, I'm just not very interested in that aspect of of sports. I know it's a lot of guys obsess over it. I know it's all I see on fucking bars. Well, I mean, look, it's the only way they're going to play now is if they come to an agreement sure. on that. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Um, I really do, like. I don't under my understanding of how any of that like contract stuff with any of the the leagues works is so elementary that um, I'm. Like I need, I would need to be educated on it. I know that I would very much like to see baseball. Like that is the position I'm at. I'm well, like, I'll, I'll give like, it to you. I'll give you the most basic, simple understanding of it that I have, and then you can sort of have your thought on it. Basically, some months ago, let's call it weeks, but I think it might even have been months now because time is weird now. I can't think really. Um, the players and the 
uh, owners agreed on what the let's see the, i mean the season started in april it had to have been after when that started so it's only weeks now it's weeks that they agreed upon how much they would split the money and all this kind of thing and you know potentially how much money the the players would have to i guess they decided at the time that their prorated salary would be the same you know okay fine you're not playing those months or whatever you're not playing those weeks but your salary will be the same otherwise. So you'll make the same per paycheck that you would have made previously. Um, now the owners are basically saying, all right, we're trying to figure this out here, this, that, the other. We're offering a 50-50 split on the revenue this year. 50-50 split. And the players say that's not enough because they argue that that's putting a de facto salary cap into the situation where there wasn't one previously in baseball. And they don't want to have that. They don't want to face that. At the risk of not allowing you to sort of express yourself, because I want to hear what you have to say, my thinking on it is, fuck you. I mean, I, I hate to be one of those guys that's like, you play a sport for a living. I hate to be. But at the same time, you fucking pl play a sport for a living. Like, Rays pitcher Blake Snell, I, I read on ESPN.com this morning, says, it's not worth it to play for less money. Eh, it's not worth it. Guy who makes fucking five million dollars a year to pitch. So yeah, so that I I do have an opinion on that. Um, you know, you have guys who the NFL I guess might be a better example of it because you know it can really go in an instant. But when I think when you're getting when your body is your tool to play a sport, and especially what you're asking them to do, like come back and play, do something in a pandemic that we're being told could expose them more to this bullshit or whatever injuries, et cetera. I think, and the, I love, I love the way NFL players talk about it. It's, you know, we'll give guys shit for a lot of stuff, but we do not give anyone shit when they're going out and trying to get their fucking money. Um, and I think, I, yeah, I think uh, professional athletes, I think you, I, I, I have no problem with them advocating for themselves for like every last penny. They can advocate all the fuck they want. The fucking world is falling apart and everybody's taking a haircut. There's not an industry out there that's not taking a bath right now. Not a one. Maybe Amazon or people who sell power, paper towels or Clorox or fucking sure, you know, whatever. The, Everybody I mean, these, else is taking a bath. So these to, guys to, have, these so guys to have imagine that this business is going to have just as fine a season or that no one's going to take a pay cut when there's no fans going there and buying the fucking jerseys or buying the fucking sausages or the beers or going in there and doing whatever the fuck else they go at, do at the ballpark. They're going to watch on TV. That's it. That's it. So that's the only money you're making this year is the money you make off the ballpark or the, the TV. So somebody's taking a pay cut. And guess what? This is the way the world works. Sucks, but it's the way the world works. It's not going to be the owners. They're not going to be the one that takes it. The players are. And if you don't want to play, that's fine. But guess what? You'll fucking drive the nail in the coffin of baseball. Because baseball right now has the opportunity to be the only sport playing. NBA, not playing. NFL, not playing. At least as far as we know. Maybe they will be, hopefully, at least in, in, in fall. But yeah, baseball I mean, has a chance outside. to fill that drought right now. And if they go out there and play, okay, fine. Maybe Blake Snell is only going to make $2.5 million to pitch this year. I don't even know. I don't even know how much. That's a lot of money. Otherwise, he could make zero. 
and and yeah. don't tell me that it's about the the health concerns or whatever when you say uh, it's not worth it to play for less money because that well, look, implies he's that he'd be he doing a, it look, for the same money. There's a reasonable concern there where if you're you know pitchers a great example you know you one pitch and that fucking that elbow could go and all of a sudden you've done it for this pro you know this this you know two million versus two hundred or whatever the the numbers come out to. And obviously to us, that looks like, well, you know, you, know, you can, it's easy to call him greedy or whatever, but that, that money that he's supposed to be making isn't just for that season. It's for the decades that he's put into. Yeah, but he's got his the contract. Craft well, whatever contract makes, he has is guaranteed. So what is he trying to not pitch? What is he protecting his elbow tendons? So he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to pitch at all just so that he doesn't maybe miss out on, what the next contract? I guess he's gonna sign. I don't, I don't. I can't. Again, I haven't read his specific commentary. I don't know. I don't know about it either. But the point is, if he's willing to play for the money that wait, he so did, then you're sign just wait. For. So you're just arbitrarily riled up because of the numbers involved? No, because he's the one who said that it's not worth it to play if it's not for the same amount of money. And to, from what I'm saying is that's fucked up because what you're saying is if it was for the same amount of money. It would be worth it. Well, guess what? Everybody else in life is going out there dealing with living life for a sh for a shorter amount of money. And maybe not everybody, because obviously Jeff Bezos and Amazon is doing just fine. And apparently he's going to be the first trillionaire in a couple days. And uh, what's it called? Um, you know, obviously uh, the Major League Baseball owners, they won't take as much of a bath as maybe the players will from a percentage perspective. But everybody's taking a haircut. It's life. It's what's happening right now. I mean, how are you going to say, like, how out of fucking touch do you have to possibly be to say it's not worth it to play? Why wouldn't it be worth it? $2.5 million isn't worth it to play baseball? I mean, to him, maybe not. I mean, you know. Then he that's... doesn't have to play. He could stay home. Sure. Don't I say mean, that I, other yeah. guy. Don't say that other players who maybe only make six hundred and fifty thousand. It could be twenty-seven years old. Maybe they'll never play in baseball again. They want to play this year. Yeah, but that's not his. He doesn't have to. That's their. That's their situation. Each, yeah, but that's. But it's. But it's so out of touch. It's so unbelievably out of touch to suggest it's not worth it to play for for any millions of dollars. That's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. I mean, it. It'd be like just so out of touch to suggest that that not playing a game wouldn't be worth it. I mean, guys. I mean, guys. Dollars. Guys hold out for money all the time. I mean, guys miss NFL games. Yeah, but over. you keep. Okay, look. Here's the here's the difference, though. I actually look at things a lot differently in football. I've often been the guy that backs the person having a holdout or saying I'm not going to play because I'm a running back and I don't want to play when I could get hurt. I back guys in football over that all the time because you're absolutely right. In baseball, it's totally different. Whatever contract Blake Snell has right now is guaranteed. He's making every single red cent of that other than if they're not going to play. So for him to say it's not worth it, what does that even mean? What, I mean, like if you're not playing, you're not getting paid. So why would it be worth it to sit home and not make any? It's just so it's so completely out of touch. It's because he's probably, you know, this is a guy who's had success before. He's made a lot of money up until this point. Maybe he looks at it differently than somebody else who hasn't, I don't know, uh, made it to that same extent in baseball that he has. But to suggest yeah, but I that mean, it's then not isn't worth that it, the point of having the highly marketable skill of being able to throw a baseball is you kind of hold some of that power. And if you're like, you know what, nah. Um, I, I don't like the way this is being done. I don't like the approach. 
I'm going to have to say me and my my arm do not agree. You can if you want to. I mean, look, the, to the extent that you don't want to play for the contract that you signed, you don't have to play. Nobody's forcing you to. But I mean, why would it be worth it to play for $5 million but not three point five when you signed to play and the world basically went through this situation where every single situation is losing money right now, including, unfortunately, baseball players. Sorry. I mean, not not like it's a good thing. Not not that it's great. Yeah, I get I mean, I can't if, if per, perhaps if he laid out his specific reasoning, we could debate the individual points. But with just a blanket, it's not worth it to play then we're we're left to sort of mind read. Well, he said it's not say, worth it to play for the lesser amount of money. It's not Sure, but what so what so it's not worth it, but then obviously you would have to qualify. All right, what is it specifically that does not make it worth it in his opinion without those thing without filling it in with that, then it's sort of difficult cuz he could present a reason to you that you could say, well, you know what that is completely valid. Or he could present a reason that I could see and say, all right, you know what, maybe he is full of shit. Um, my, my point is this. The people that in this particular situation, the, the overall labor side of things, that side with the play. And the funny thing is, I'm a walking contradiction. When it comes to sports, I love socialism. I love the salary cap, the competitive balance moves, things aimed at like being fair when it comes to. I love that all. I'm all about that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the realities of the sport, that's outside of that kind of thing. It's not about competitive realities when it comes to labor negotiations. That's real life. So the owners of the teams, they hold the cards. They're the ones that own the team. There's nothing you could do about that. I mean, if they say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're taking a bath. This is the extent to which you're going to take a bath. We'll play or we won't play. It's, it's ridiculous to suggest that they're not going to be willing to play ball on that. And of course, not not everybody is Blake Snell. I'll give you that. Not everybody's Blake Snell. Not everybody's Scott Boris, who's also flapping his gums. Not everybody's sort of playing really hard ball on this whole situation. There's plenty of people behind the scenes who are trying to make a deal happen. But um, it's, it's, just, it's just so... I hate when I see this kind of stuff because it reminds me of how much the whole like athletics thing is just kind of a joke. You know what I mean? Like for somebody to make that much money and not even sort of appreciate it enough to at least have the wherewithal to say, if the PPE is in place, if the testing is in place, if the da 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 da, then I'll be interested. Otherwise, it's not worth it. That makes a lot of sense to say, I'll play for the amount of money that I was supposed to make or it's not worth it. That's fucked up. That's totally different. And that's the whole situation that I think is, is coming up here, where they're not willing to sort of deal with the same bath that everybody else is taking right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, without a without him, without saying, hey, that he this is X, Y and Z, because, like, again, it's, well, it's not, not just him. It. It's other players, too. It's other yeah. people talking about it on Twitter and social media. It's people who feel that way and feel strongly that the oh, the players are the ones that sort of hold the cards. And you could sort of look at it that way. In certain sports, it's more true. Like basketball, the players tend to have more power, for example, than in football because just the numbers involved and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there's certain realities you can't escape. You know what I mean? Like it's just baseball is not it's not 1920. You know what I mean? You better have a fucking season. That's all I can say. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I I would like to see baseball. I, I want nothing more than to, to see baseball. You know, nothing nothing would bring me more joy than to sit on my couch here on, like, a, a Thursday night in the middle of the summer drinking a beer and, you know, watching the, the Mets blow a three-run lead in the seventh. I Always mean, that, a good time. Always fun. Um, but, again, from, from, you know, from the athlete perspective, I, I tend to be like, you know, that's that's – it's an each with each one. It's an individual thing. Uh, the blanket statement. It's not worth it. Doesn't really give us a lot to work with in terms of determining his mindset. Um, because when we discuss worth, we have to discuss the elements that go into something being worth it or not. And since those were not defined in the statement, it's hard to say, does he have a point or does he not have a point? Well, um, I, I've been the first to say that if they don't have a season, I'm fine. Like, I got no issue with that. You know what I mean? Like, if they decide that – and I don't want some Arizona plan or Florida plan or any – I hate that shit. Um, you know, play it in the actual ballparks or don't play. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and I mean, look, if they since, don't – Especially since Noah Syndergaard went down, I was like, fuck it. Don't even play the fucking season. Yeah, I mean, look, if they don't if they don't have a Major League <laughs> Baseball season uh, this year, I will, be, I will be there at City Field for the home opener next year. If they do have a season – I'll be there at City Field for the home opener next year. Either way, I'm in. Um, so yeah, I, I leave it to them. I I would very much like to see. I just don't want to hear somebody season. say not worth it for three point five, but worth it for five. Come on, that's that's again. I need out of touch. I need pretty I need out of touch guy. I need specifics from him. I need to know what is it that makes it you know worth it or not. All right. We All right. we can hear a perfectly reasonable. Ex- Maybe he's got. Uh, two and a half, uh, a million and a half in gambling debt that he really needs to cover. Who the fuck knows? Maybe the a Colombian cartel has his children and he needs the the extra uh, one point five. Well, I, I do be, not know. You but, you uh, would make a great screenwriter on NCIS. I can say that much. That's a great that's a great storyline. That, that that they should they should do that one. Um, it, it could happen. <laughs> uh, all right. Some last minute items. Um, before we get out of here for the day, for the week, for the month, I guess. But we'll try. I, I'd love to do more. Again, I, it's it's easy enough. We should. I can I can hop on these pretty frequently, and yeah. it might be worth opening up to a uh, to a guest or two as yeah. well. I, yeah. I don't know if you want like uh, like Crocker or fucking uh, Gino or even like someone like CSB people. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. I actually planned fucking, on like, um, Crossman or someone. I planned on doing a. Uh, I reached out to Lauren and asked her if she'd want to do one. And I was just texting with my cousin earlier and saying I was doing this tonight and asking if he would come on again. And he said he would. So, yeah. So I should actually set something up with them. Would you want to do that? Would you want to come on with uh, Lauren and, and Appleseed? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Yeah, that's that's good. We should do that. Maybe uh, maybe this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just I obviously I always need to know like a little bit out just so I can plan to uh, to be available. But yes. All right. Have you been going up to the park in Jersey City and working out in front of the park on the sidewalk? Yeah, that asinine. But this is fucking great. Um, <laughs> they uh, so uh, you know you're allowed to parks in New Jersey are now reopening, right? Except for in Hudson County, a bunch of mayors got together and decided as a group that they would not reopen their parks. Among them, Union City which I live on the border of. And the park right up the street from me is a Union City Park, 
And the day that they finished installing a brand new uh, a pull-up bar, uh, adult uh, monkey bars, uh, dip uh, dip apparatus, just a complete grown-up workout gym that I could have brought my kettlebell and everything up to and had a, a nice real workout. Grand they closed it the day they were done installing this 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 setup, and it has been closed since. And the, the Hudson County is using taxpayer resources to have fucking sheriffs guard the park almost around the clock to enforce social distancing. So now when it's in the 60s or the 70s, instead of having people – because people are coming outside, it's a city. There's not a lot of open space. So instead of having people in the wide open expanse of the park – Everyone is crammed onto the sidewalk, making it even more difficult to socially distance. It's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> and the best part about it is this. So many of the deaths, and like, from what I'm hearing, a real, real bulk of the deaths, uh, especially in New Jersey, have been coming from these like senior care centers. Over and half. Homes. Over half. Yeah. Which... So Union City has a very has apparently had a very high, I guess, infection and uh, mortality rate. But the caveat to it is that Union City has a very high, I guess, concentration of these senior care centers. So that's where these people are fucking dying. <clears throat> these are not the people who are going to be uh, doing chin-ups in the park. No. Uh, no. Nor are they, you know, you're not... You know, if you live in an apartment in Union City with your family, you're not going into a care center. You know, if you work at the care center in Union City, you might live in Secaucus or Carlstadt or wherever. So it's just it was just a, a completely misguided example of just fucking government bullshit. Yeah. No, the whole situation, man, is really, really fucked up. Look, we started it to, to so-called flatten the curve and keep, flatten the curve. Keep the yeah, as soon as it's flattened. Once it's flattened, two weeks after that, we start getting back to normal. Right, right. Keep the infections from peaking all at once so that the hospital can deal with the whole situation. You know what I mean? So you now, actually have enough yeah. doctors. Now you have, these fucking, now you have these fucking lunatics saying, no, we need to stay locked down until there's a vaccine, which is maybe, maybe 18 months away. Probably not. Probably like four or five years, right? If, if um, even ever. So, if even ever, to be honest with yeah. you. So, so their answer is, and it's like, it, it's a virtue signaling answer. It's, it is a virtue signaling answer to say that it's not worth restarting the economy if it's going to save even one life. Yeah. Like the, more t the people who are dying of this <laughs> are dying at a later age than you would normally die if you didn't have normally you die, you know, the average life expectancy in America because of the way Americans treat their fucking bodies is, you know, late 70s for a dude, early 80s for uh, for a woman. The people who are dying in this shit are in their like late 80s, early 90s, or they are fat people in their 50s through 70s. So it's not like I mean, this is really if you take a a very like cold fact-based approach to it it's like what the fuck are we doing like you're looking at a 
I was reading an article before about Georgia and Florida's numbers are going down, even though they've reopened stuff. It's yeah. ridiculous. No, it look, the, the situation is this. Having having covered it as closely as I fucking have for the news, I can tell you probably more about it than I ever wanted to. And more than I know more about this shit than I wish I did. The truth is, and the fucked up thing about it is, is that I have some closeness to the whole situation. My next door neighbor lived right over here, died of Corona. This beloved cop in my hometown, one town over, Rob Roberts, just died of Corona. But, and, and, and terrible, terrible to Rob Roberts, 45 years old, three kids, all young, you know what I mean? Terrible. But what's fucked up is that he had Crohn's, apparently. You know what I mean? He the, had uh, medicine that had fucked with his immune system. You know what I mean? Every, there's a, everyone has a comorbidity. Yeah, and it's it's just it's fucking terrible in the sense that what what everything is is facing now. And you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. When I listened to Governor Cuomo months ago now, months ago, at least weeks, saying this will all be worth it if we save one life, I pulled my hair out. I lost it. I said, how can you say that? A week ago, earlier this week, you were talking about that you don't like platitudes, you don't like uh, flowery language, whatever big, you know, weird platitudes. I think that's the word he used when when, when de Blasio said shelter in place. He's like, I don't like shelter in place. I don't like the implication there. There's something about, you know, World War II fallouty. That's a little too far. I don't like that. I don't like shelter in place. And then you're going to say all this to save one life. Can't do it. Can't be doing it, man. That's that's bad. That's a bad platitude because it's not true. It's not worth it because there's so if it's one life or whatever, because and it's it's terrible to try to do that kind of moral relativism. Who wants to do that kind of shit? But the fact of the matter is people are suffering and going to die. The more you keep things artificially locked the way that they are right now. Yeah, it's it, it feels like it's. Um, it, it's a weird thing that people are going to die like regardless like the old the elder population who has gotten ravaged by this thing those people like i you know if you looked at what the next five years were going to look like for most of them right a bulk of them that next five years that next one year would involve dying because that is what happens when you reach the end of a lifespan not a pleasant thing to think it's not nothing you want and certainly if you have a relative in that age group you don't want it to happen to them no and you want you want them and the people who are going to be around them to be taking every precaution possible Right. right but there's a more i think intelligent and pragmatic way to go about it than the uh the swooping hand of government comes down and decides that today your business closes indefinitely. Yeah. I will say this. There's been a lot of times in my life where karma kind of came at me hard and came at me fast. We did a show on the front porch, as a matter of fact, not that long ago, where I was being literally, probably for your taste, overly defensive of cops. And... Well, I need I need to defend myself. The, I, I don't... Di- I, I fucking love... I wouldn't, like, everyone I went to Iraq with is is in law enforcement i i just i hold i think anyone uh because i've done the job of holding a firearm around unarmed civilians the 
I, I, I think you need to be held to an incredibly high standard yeah. for behavior when you're an armed agent of the state. Right. And and I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. But anyway, I was sort of taking the more like, you know, like, uh, grr, you know, the blue line and all that type type of it. Sure. And uh, karma, karma, because here I am weeks later thinking like, what the fuck are some of these cops doing? You know what I mean? Like fucking with people like this. Like the fuck? Like you're violating your oath, basically. Like you should be like telling your captain like to go fuck himself or whatever. I'm not going to arrest people for being on a parking lot, you know, like whatever, or, uh, uh, you know, being on a uh, playground. Except they can't. It's their job to enforce as, you know, if you're if you're a cop on the beat, it's your job to enforce the the law as as long as that law is not, you know, a un, un, unconstitutional or whatever, you know, you got to do it. You, know, you they, fascist. They say, you fascist. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't I don't I certainly don't agree with it. I don't like the position you put them. In. I think it puts cops in a bad position. Yeah, no, it does. Um, uh, it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, there's no question about that. So, all right, last thing uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say here with um, this. Um, first of all, San Francisco, apparently their health department, they confirmed they are providing alcohol, weed, nicotine, and other substances to the homeless that they're housing in hotels during coronavirus quarantine. And yeah, I, I liked it. So and I said to deal? myself, I got to get my, me, me some fucking San Francisco. Yeah. Do we do you just show up in like dirty clothes and don't <laughs> shave and they, they hand you a uh, they hand you an ounce? <laughs> an ounce, uh, six pack of Miller High Life and uh, some rolling papers. I think that's what they give you. They say, here's your starter kit. And I get some some tobacco, some some loose tobacco. It says nicotine. So, you know, I'll tell you what, um, maybe it's, a I don't, you know, noise. I don't know. Air, airline prices are probably low as shit right now. So you could probably get a round trip on jet blue out to San Fran, pretend to be homeless, cash in on that free booze, free, free everything, uh, and come out financially on top. Yeah. You know, what would really help is if you didn't have a strong sense of smell. Like, I have a pretty strong sense of smell, so I wouldn't... I don't think it's worth it for me. Not worth it. Yeah, the uh, the, the, the homeless are a, a stinky bunch. They're, They're uh, outside They're of the Port sense. Authority. It's a wild scene in the morning <laughs> when I get in. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Um, all right, so uh, like I said, last thing. Um, I, you know, the, 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 the term Karens has been used a lot now you know like the, the the for for like angry white women who get kind of uppity, uppity yeah uppity white women yeah karen. uppity white women the karen um so that's a, actually if people don't give him uh, enough credit for it but that is that's dane cooks is that is that dane cook dane cook had a bit way way back about the cunt who nobody wants in the picture that we're gonna have take the picture <laughs> in every group there's one chick and her name is always karen karen uh, on one hand, I have to tell you, I hate it because I, I have a one very beloved aunt, Karen. So, I mean, it's very hate. It's hurtful to me that the term that the name is Karen. But again, yeah, she's probably fight. a fucking cunt. When she oh, fuck you. Service, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so anyway, Karen's sanctimonious. They're out here. They're saying to people that go outside or want to go outside. You're killing people. Yeah, you're killing people. Do you not and realize it, it, that? You nailed the pitch, too. Like, that is the voice. <laughs> well, here's my warning, everybody. I'm going out. So fuck you. Stay, stay away from me. Stay away. Or yeah. you will die. Their words. 
Their words, not mine. That's all I can say. Stay away from me, or you will die. It is. Hey, look the the, the Murphy's opening the uh, the beaches on uh, the twenty second. It looks like where. Uh, well, we are... the good thing about that is you've always been a lady killer on the beaches. So I mean, like I, you. I have traditionally done quite well <laughs> at the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that is. Uh, Getting some, getting some, your stock goes up. Yeah, you're getting some trim. To yeah, use when the, the shirt comes trim. off, the stock goes up. Yeah, getting some trim, and then like say, saying to your boys, like smell my finger the next day and stuff. Like that's uh, that's what I imagine you being like at the Jersey Shore house. No, I'm I uh, I actually try to uh, I do my best to keep uh, like my uh, my hooking up with chicks and say I try to keep that shit as discreet as possible. <laughs> They're not, dude, they don't, you know what, uh, as much of a, an ass as I, I behave at when it comes to stuff like that, um, you know, I don't, the libertarian in me finds it, uh, <laughs> abhorrent that you would go, that anyone would go and violate someone else's right to privacy by speaking out of school about, uh, romantic encounters. Um, I laughed, I lied when I said that was the end. Last thing, I swear, this is the last thing I have. Um, thought you would enjoy this. Apparently, the New York Post got into um, that coronavirus possibly can be spread through farts. So I thought that you would enjoy that. I thought that you would enjoy that. There's a concern out there that coronavirus can be spread through farts. That is fun. Well, in that case, I'm going to eat a, a big can of beans and then and go spread some <laughs> COVID-19 down in Hoboken. That's a fucking horrifying image. And uh, that's the most American podcast ever created. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Mike. Your your stuff. Where can people get your uh, your your Twitter audio? at Mike Montone, Instagram at Gary underscore Moiler M O Y L E R, Facebook dot com slash The Savage Crew, and the Savage Crew dot Libsyn L I B S Y N dot com is where my podcast, The Savage Sack Tap, is hosted. You can find it there. And you'll be upgrading your studio soon. When do you get the camera in and the light? The, uh, the camera is in. The light was actually supposed to be in today. And then I got a message from Amazon that said there was a, a shipping delay. Um, so I've noticed that things are taking about uh, about two weeks longer than expected to uh, to ship, with the, even with Prime. So I'd expect it to be here within the, uh, the next couple of weeks. So this is if what James is looking at is a very uh, sort of dark, shadowy setup. Um, I will have uh, I will have myself nicely lit in the future. So I'm going to use the new camera to uh, to start attacking the the YouTube thing a little more and chop up some some video clips for for Instagram and uh, and whatnot and just kind of use this uh, use this time where I'm not in the city uh, five days a week to kind of uh, to kind of you know fill in and, and make some content because that is uh, it's what I enjoy doing and. Obviously, the job I do, I make content for other people. Um, so having a little uh, breathing room here gives me a chance to make some more of it for myself. So that's cool. So it's, just, it's like I get to take just a slightly different approach with the, the shit I'm making outside of work. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Well, uh, continue to check that out at, uh, at what's the link again? The Libsyn? The, the... the Savage Crew. Libsyn. L I B S Y N. com. So check that out. And uh, again, this is us on RadioMisfits.com. Yeah, hard to believe, man. CSB, no longer a thing where we all started this shindig in 2010 and continue on here in 2020. Pretty crazy. So uh, I will soon 
uh, have a mix-up here with uh, the new iteration of Flip It Out Radio with both Johnny Appleseed and Lauren Crocker, because uh, I spoke to Lauren, she was definitely interested in doing it, and Appleseed said he came down as well, and uh, got confirmation here on this report that Mike is, is interested in joining on that. Absolutely. We'll talk about the whole CSP, we'll talk about the whole thing, and uh, again, crazy to see that it's gone. Um, John of Sweden, John of Sweden will be very interested in listening to that particular episode. He's a big, Johannes. He's a big Lauren Crocker and even possibly a big Johnny Appleseed fan. Even though no, Lauren, I, I certainly understand being a big Lauren Crocker. Well, he never listened when uh, Lauren was actually like, he listened to the show, he went back and listened to an archive of the show and listened to when Lauren was on and all that kind of shit, but he never actually was listening when Lauren was on the show. Because, you know, he became a fan of it during the whole Artie uh, time. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy. So we'll do that. And uh, for now, this is the most American podcast ever created. Heaven's very good. All right, doggy. I, uh, I'm going to go smoke some marijuana of my own. I will catch you next time, man. Presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Oh, here's your blessing. The most American podcast ever created. You sick fuck. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know serviceable enough for a podcast like this where it's just spoken word talk, as yeah. uh, non douchebags say. Yeah, it's um, well, it's you pretty, you were the one who said spoken word. I mean, I, yeah, I you yeah. know I certainly wasn't I wasn't. It bothered it, it bothered me that I said that. <laughs> my, father, my father referred to what I do as spoken word one day, and I was like, no, it's a fucking talk show. Rumpus time is over. You're fucking butt-fucking me. This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you.